Welcome to The Roz Project, a conversation about life, entrepreneurship, personal development, family, tech, and marketing. My name is Ivan Temelkoff, and I'm your host. On this podcast, you will gather 100% real, raw, and unfiltered, life-changing advice to help you level up in every aspect of your life and business and help you reach your goals and dreams. Today, I am joined by my special guest, Cesar Espino. Is that correct? Did I pronounce that correctly? You, you did, Ivan. You got it right, man. Awesome. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. So here's a little bit about Cesar. So Cesar was actually born in Mexico into a humble beginning and due to poverty, had to start working at the age of four. Holy crap. At the age of 10, came to the USA and throughout his life had many different obstacles that he had to overcome. His first major obstacle was having a kid at the age of 16. As he got older, it had many downfalls to include dealing with anger, landing in jail a few times, and it was not until he discovered a new way of living through self-development, mentorship, and other mind and personal changes uh, to create a new life for himself. Cesar is now a full-time entrepreneur, best international seller, real estate investor, podcast host, and mind and consulting coach. His mission is to inspire, empower, and motivate others. Man, that's like, I'm reading that bio and I can so much <laughs> resonate, yeah. you know, on a lot of different things as a fellow immigrant. So let's, uh, let's start with your story, man. Like the early days, obviously, you know, coming to the U.S., you know, struggling, you know, really to kind of blend in. Like, let's talk a little bit about that. What was happening during that time? And how are you overcoming those challenges? Like, what drove you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, and I, I can tell you, first and foremost, thank you for having me on, on your show. Uh, sure. I can tell you that really my story started when I was born, right? When I, was, mm -hmm. when, when I came to this world in, in Mexico City. And uh, I was only born to one mother, uh, to one parent, sorry, my, my mom. Never mm -hmm. met my biological father. And uh, I remember uh, at the age of four, I had just turned four and my mom decided to take her own leap of faith, come to the States uh, to be able to provide for us. And we ended up staying behind. And so at that time, it was my older brother and my grandmother and myself, just the three of us. And we used to live on this, uh, what we call home, which was really no bigger than 250 square feet of, uh, of space, right? And that was our home. There was no running water, no electricity literally right on the door floor yet that was our our home right we we lived yeah. there and we enjoyed it and i gotta tell you uh going through that there was a lot of things that happened number one i couldn't be like a normal kid right and what i mean by a normal kid a kid that comes out of school they go out and play uh they do all these things like for me is i went to school i came did my homework and then i had to get to work right uh, mm -hmm. you know, we did all kinds of things like we used to uh so sold uh, uh, um, food at the uh, flea market in Spanish is Tianguis. We sell, uh, sell uh, uh, food in that. That didn't work out too good. And then eventually we graduated. I said we graduated. Eventually we graduated to sewing clothing. So my grandmother ended up getting a sewing machine for me and my older brother and for her. And we were sewing clothing uh, for dolls. And that was part of uh, like our, 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 our way of making money, right? There was times yeah. that we didn't have anything to eat. And I always said we had that uh, me Mexican specialty dish, which is a tortilla with a grain of salt. And that's all we had, right? Wow. And, and you know, again, there were so many lessons just kind of growing up through that, right? And yeah. finally, when I came here at the age of 10, man, I got to tell you, that was a whole new 
life for me. It was it was so uncomfortable. It was like I didn't one. I didn't have friends. I couldn't I couldn't communicate with anybody. I didn't understand the language, and so there was that language barrier. And just yeah. being able to see many different cultures where in Mexico is just really one race to an extent right here. You have yeah. all kinds of ethnicities. So that was a, a shocker for me. And I think that's another thing that I learned now looking back is that I remember being so uncomfortable that I told who's my dad now, or he was my stepdad, but who's my dad now I see as my dad. I remember telling him, I said, you know what? I don't belong here. How about you just send me back to Mexico and just take, take me back. I don't want to be here. And when I think about that story is things that we as people tend to face now, right? We run away from what seems to be very uncomfortable. We're afraid to be uncomfortable. And therefore, we allow that, that fear to take away the opportunity. And that's what I was yeah. doing then. I wanted to be comfortable being poor. I wanted to be comfortable working. I wanted to be comfortable not having the opportunities that this nation has for us because yeah. I was so afraid of the language. I was so afraid of, of this environment, right? I'm glad they didn't do that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you, right? Yeah. Um, nevertheless, though, at that point, I said, okay, well, I got to surrender, right? Surrender in the sense of not giving up. Surrender to the, to the process. Surrender to understanding that, you know what? This is a new beginning. So the only thing I got to do is I have to adjust. I have to learn the language. I have to do whatever I got to do. So <laughs> within two and a half years, I was able to communicate, talk to people, and, yeah. uh, and then from there, kind of like, I was now having friends, I guess, right? I was getting to that level. Right, right. You know, um, as you were, one thing that I wanted to touch upon, as you were yeah. talking about coming to the U.S., you know, I'm, I'm someone that actually immigrated at the age of 14, and I can really resonate with a lot of things you were talking about, like the cultural barrier and the language barrier, and <clears throat> let's face it, feeling like an outcast, basically, mm -hmm. that you don't belong. And now that you mentioned this, you know, as you, we were talking about your story in the beginnings, is that I think it's that people are unwilling to surrender. They're unwilling to embrace the discomfort because they're afraid that that's going to dominate them and justify their future. I think mm -hmm. that's probably one of the biggest things. And, you know, uh, my father, who's actually, you know, have, has lived in the States for over 30 years now, similar story, but it, it has a lot to do with, you know, being bold and self-confidence and wanting more out of life and knowing that this is your calling. So it's a mentality, I think, that you have to develop. And it's really interesting when you were talking about being afraid to surrender because nobody likes to surrender. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't like to surrender because if you surrender, that means you're giving up. And it's amazing that like when you were talking about when you were young, you said, I don't belong, send me back, I'll settle for less. Mm -hmm. I'll settle for poverty, I'll settle for discomfort, I'll settle for my, my usual life. And, and that's so fascinating, like why would people choose to do that? Why would people choose to continue to live in poverty? Because let's face it, you and me, we all have the same amount of opportunities, the same amount of days, the same amount of times, and we all have one life to live. But the difference between winners and losers is that what do we do with it? How do we choose to use it wisely, right? And that's, I think, what, what happened to you is you, you kind of had a transformation, right, As for, mm -hmm. from what it sounds like in realizing that, you know what, I have what it takes. I just need to apply myself to do it. Right. 
And that's probably, I think, another challenging part that I think, let's face it, the world we live in is dark. It's very mediocre. If you're doing something different than everybody else, then you're, you're seen as an abnormality. You're seen as an alien, as an outcast. Because mm-hmm. I remember, you know, when we moved to the States and like, I didn't know a lick of English. And like the first three months going through English as second language, yeah. you know, on, on the tail end of middle school and beginning of high school, like I was frightened shitless. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't communicate. Like I would literally almost bang my head against the wall every day and say, why can't I understand these people? But there was just something, a level of determination. So the really, I think, kind of pushed me and drove me. So let's talk about that for you. What was that like for you in trying to figure it out? Like, okay, okay like I'm, I'm at crossroads. What am I going to do next? And how did you go about it? Yeah. And, and again, I, I, I'm glad my dad didn't send me back. And, and sometimes you have to believe on somebody else's, somebody else's belief in you to kind of keep moving forward, right? And so right. I didn't believe in myself because I felt like I needed to go back to that poverty type of lifestyle. Yet, mm-hmm. obviously my dad believed in me at, at some capacity that no, this is your new life, you're gonna make it. And so yeah. it was his belief, believing in me that I was gonna make it. And so I think that's one thing that we have to recognize, right? Again, in anything that we do, uh, I think part of the reason why people tend to get hung up on, on the negativity or a different lifestyle or even just going after their dreams is because, again, they don't believe in themselves. You have to sometimes listen to the people that are really edifying you and helping you out through that journey yeah. because they might see something that you don't see yourself. The second thing to that is that, again, just being able to surrender, right? Just being able to, to right. know that at the end of the day, what is the worst thing that could happen, right? We were so afraid, again, of, of allowing the fear of the unknown take away the opportunity. Well, if I'm already in a bad place, I'm already in a place where I'm not really moving forward. If I try to do this, even if I'm fearful, I'm still going to do it. What is the worst thing that could, that could happen? Okay, nothing or something good can come out of that, right? And yeah. so being able to kind of step into that uh, was what I had to do. And, and I, and I got to tell you, like for me going through that, after I went through that and said, you know what? Yeah, I, this is my new life. This is my new, this is what I'm, I signed up for at this point. So right. let me start, uh, you know, networking with people, talking to people. Let me learn the language. Let me become the best person that I can be. And that's another thing too, by the way. And I actually talk about it in my, in my very first book, You Can Overcome Anything Even When the World Says No, is that many immigrants that come into this country, yeah. This is a, the land of opportunity. Like you said, you and I have the same opportunities as anybody else, whether you were born here or not, it doesn't matter. Right. It's how you go about that opportunity. And one thing that I saw is that a lot of people that come from other countries, I don't care where it is, from other countries, they tend to fall into a, a, a place in, in their life where they choose their own path, right? And what I mean by that is, you know what? I might take the easy way out. I'm going to get into drugs. I'm going to get into gangs. I'm going to get into whatever the case may be. And then you lose out on that opportunity. Luckily, I didn't do that. Definitely, I was more on the, let me get educated. Let me be the best student I can be. Let me take it from that perspective. Now, was I perfect? Hell no, by no means. I had a lot of downfalls. And, and sure. maybe not necessarily, I don't see it as a negative thing though. It's definitely a lesson. Yet having my kid at the age of 16. So I say we got pregnant at 15. Then she was born at the age of 16. That was my, again, as an immigrant, just being here six years in this country, me being yeah. a, a, a kid to an extent, raising a kid, 
that was a pretty huge hit. Yeah, I didn't get into drugs. Yeah, I didn't get into uh, gangs. I was yeah. I was giving birth to another person, another living thing, right? Yeah. And so that by itself was another one of those pivotal moments where I'm like, okay, what do I do now? Do I yeah. take responsibility? Do I slack off? Whatever the case may be, I'm like, nope, I gotta get back. To, I gotta get to work. And I was working. I was delivering newspaper in the middle of the night. I was still trying to be an A A uh, student. A student, I was going yeah. to work. I mean, and, and again, is you got to be able to just step out of that uncomfortable area, uh, that comfortable area and get into the uncomfortable to make it happen. It's, um, you mentioned a couple of really interesting things <clears throat> that really got me thinking, and that is about choices, because um, we're talking about the, you know, you became a father at a very early age at the age of 16. And you know, it was a very pivotal moment in your life because mm -hmm. six years, you know, after coming to the United States and, you know, what was probably, you know, it wasn't something that you had planned for, let's face it. But right, no, for sure. you know, what was interesting about that is that, you know, not just that experience, because there's a lot of people that go through that, you know, early fathers, early mothers for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, as an, as an immigrant also, it's, it, it's one of those things that kind of, like you said, it's a pivotal moment. But what, what determined what was to happen after that were the choices you made. Mm. And I think that's a differentiating factor between us as human beings is the choices that we make. Because some of us don't make the best of choices, whether you're younger, middle-aged, or older, believe it or not. So, and I think a lot of it really has to do with your environment, also maybe education, maybe your perception of your environment. Also, I would say that really leads you to making choices because like you said, you know, let's face it, a lot of young fathers at the age of 16, they, they choose the dark side, so mm -hmm. to speak. Yeah. Because it's their way to cope with the challenges that they were presented, you know, because it's usually involuntary. So they turn to drugs, they turn to gangs, you know, they turn to the dark side, not doing anything meaningful or productive to accelerate their life. But I think at the core of that were the choices. So if you were to think back, what would you say about those choices that helped you accelerate? Was there something that influenced you to make better choices and not go to the dark side? Yeah, definitely. I think when my daughter was born, um, mm -hmm. one of the things that I remember telling her mom at that time is, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I do whatever I can to make sure that my daughter does not have the type of lifestyle that I had as a kid. Right. So I went back to who I was as a kid, working, not having a childhood, uh, not being able to, you know, have a, a parties, not being able to do any of that stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want that for my daughter. Right. I don't I, I need to break that cycle. And so for me, that was something that came to mind. It's like I got to do whatever I can to provide for my daughter. And so that was one of the things that really, uh, you know, stepping to my, I guess, my, my purpose then and my why yeah. as to the things that I was doing. One thing that I, I tell people too, even now, right, the, going back to the idea of the choices, the choices uh, and the decisions that we make today will determine the quality of life that we have tomorrow. And so when you start thinking about it from that perspective, what kind of quality of life do I want for tomorrow? Because what I'm going to decide today, the choice that I'm going to make today, whether it's becoming an entrepreneur, whether it's leaving that toxic relationship, whether it's staying in that, whatever that might be, will determine the quality of life that you have in your near future. And yeah. when you start looking at it from that perspective, I'm like, you know what? Well, I don't want my daughter to suffer. I don't want her to, to go through that. I want to make sure that she has everything that I didn't have. 
And so that means I have to make some positive decisions. You know, there's a couple of things in that that really, as you were talking about, and as we were talking about the choices that you make, is it really uh, brought up to light accountability and responsibility, Mm. you know, and um, I really got to thinking about this because now as an entrepreneur, as a business owner myself, like sometimes I wonder if some lack of accountability has a correlation to my early childhood because I had a fear, you know, towards it. Because when you're, when you, when you're, when you enforce yourself to be accountable and responsible, that means that you put yourself on the spot. And typically accountability is like, well, I made a mistake. So now how do I fix it? Right. Mm -hmm. Whether it was intentional or unintentional. Right. And so I think as adults also, but it's fascinating that at the age of 16, you have this transformational mindset made you realize that, you know what, I, it's my responsibility to create a better life for my daughter, to give her more than what I had. And I don't know how I'm going to get to that, but I will make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, I think, really a key transformational thing you know, and trust me, I, I think a lot of people, even into their 40s, 50s, and 60s, don't really have that sense of enlightenment to really understand that, you know, in part, you have uh, a duty to other people that you love, to have a meaning in your life, such as your daughter, you know, to be able to provide because they, they look at you as a role model. And as a fellow father, you know, I've got a four year old and a two year old now. It has made me realize that, you know what? They watch me and they do everything that I do. Mm -hmm. So it's important to be a good role model. And, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, speaking from a father to father that, you know, when, when my son or my daughter will say, daddy, 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 it's like, it's an indication that you're doing something positive in their life that's influencing them to have that kind of positive reaction of love and affection also. Mm -hmm. So you know, this is really, really powerful because it's the choices that we make that define us into the people that we become. But the challenge with that is that, especially when we're younger, we struggle with making the right choices Yeah. because of influence, because of the environment, because of the world. And I know personally, I mean, when I was young, like, you know, I aspired to be like everybody else, like around me. I thought, why am I not so fit? Why am I not better looking? You know, like, why wasn't I raised into a family that had money? You know, why didn't I have my own car at 16? You know, like, like materialistic things that like, now I realize, you know what, none of that shit really mattered. Right. You know, it, it was just stuff that the environment, the world that we live in was infusing into me because they wanted to be like me. And that's probably, to be honest with you, my biggest regret, I think, from young ages is just that I tried too much to be like everyone else yeah. as opposed to be myself, like truly getting inside yourself. So let's talk about that. How did Cesar find himself? You know, that, that was a long journey. I got to tell you, and, and, and mm-hmm. kind of going back, uh, I'm going to just peel it back a little bit more, you know, talking about decisions and choices again, you know, yeah. the influence, the, the, uh, what you know to be true at that moment, you know, there's a lot of different factors. And I got to tell you that, uh, you know, being, uh, I guess my next downfall, which was huge for me. And, and, and I think that was another one that I like, I really, really reflected upon and, and, and said, you know what, moving forward, I have to make a, a change in my life. 
Yeah. At the age of 22, um, I was, you know, I, I always had this anger management uh, aspect of me, right? I was a very angry person. I, and I, I, I think now I know why, you know, and, and I didn't know any better. Back then, I just didn't, I couldn't control it. Anything will trigger yeah. me. Yeah. And I remember uh, 22, it was one of those moments where, like, I would never forget. I, I, I just ended up blowing off, you know. It's like this freaking atomic bomb just went off. And yeah. I, I took out all that anger on my daughter's mom and domestic violence took place, right? Oh, and wow. before, I, 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 before I knew it, I was in jail, right? For doing yeah. something that, again, going back to choices, decisions, and things that are going through your head, you don't realize it at, at that moment. And, and yet, if I would have probably surrender if i would have probably looked back a little bit that stupid yeah. thing that i did would have never taken place yet i learned right and everything that we do there's a consequence whether it's good or bad for me sure. I, I i went to jail for a couple of days and and obviously that ended that relationship for sure and uh and it was like one of those things where like wow i just now not only did i did something really stupid i went to jail my daughter's side now everything that i've been working towards is kind of like vanishing right is right in front of my eyes and coming out of that i came to realize that you know what this is not what i want this is not what i want that is not who i am yeah and i gotta work through through that and so mm -hmm. i would say fast forward through to now i've done a lot of self-development i've done a lot, of, a lot of work on myself and i realized that um we always believe that we have all the answers. That's not the case. I've gotten so many different mentors from business to mindset to different aspects of the things that I'm doing to really help me and guide me through that, finding yeah. myself. And the biggest thing is when you're trying to find yourself, at least for me, my experience is that um, Jim Brown says, for things to change, you have to change, right? And yeah. it was that. All of that was within me. I had to start making changes in my life uh, to really create an impact in my own life. Well, what did I do? Things that might seem very yeah. minimal, they're not. I, I said, you know what? I'm going to get rid of all of the negative programs going into my head, news, radio, uh, things that are not really empowering me. And I started turning that into reading, uh, affirmations, podcasts like this, things that are going to uh, start rewiring my mind in a positive way right? I started doing uh, uh, exercise and I started uh, reading. I started doing all of these different things, journaling. I really turned my life around because I, just, I, I said, you know what? I have to work harder on myself than I do on anybody else, right? Yeah. And so, so, so those, those are some of the things that I went through. And, and it, it, you know what? It's a never ending. Now it's part of my yeah. life. Like I do those things. Do I do them um, uh, every single day? Probably not. Yet they're already engraved in my head. You know, Going back to that experience, something that I wanted to share mm -hmm. um, that I think, I'm not sure if you realize this, um, and this is something that I think a lot of people go through that makes some question is that, so when you were 22 years old and that domestic violence dispute occurred, you know, with, with the mother uh, of your daughter, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is that it was a very questionable time in your life, very questionable in the sense that made you wonder why. Because when something bad happens, we always question why. You know, why? why? Why did I do that? Did I do that intentionally or was that completely unintentional? And it got me thinking that I think that was meant to happen, Cesar. It was meant to happen because it was meant to be an enlightenment to make you realize, a self-conscious endeavor to make you realize that mm -hmm. this is not who I am. I want more out of life. 
And now I need to go and figure it out. And this was my rude awakening. Yeah. Now, yeah. the reason I'm saying that is because, you know, I'm someone that has had a lot of adversity also, never really had violence of that magnitude or anything like that. But, you know, being bankrupt, had to move my family around, lost over six figures in the first three years of my business. Just a lot of things that have happened that makes you wonder, like, why? Why is this happening? Like, what am I doing wrong? But then I've come to a realization that the journey to finding yourself and becoming the best version of you is one that's full of adversity, is one that's full of a lot of failures and a lot of experience. And in fact, now I've kind of transformed my mindset in the fact that it's not a failure. It's just something that you did not get the results you were hoping for. Because failure is like a complete dysfunction and that's not what it is. Right. You know, when you fail at something that you just 99.9% of the time, you just didn't accomplish something based on your expectations. That's basically what it comes down to. And then I realized, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm doing better. I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. I'm still waking up every day, you know, so I, I must be doing something right. And then Right now, with what's happened with this pandemic, too, I've come to realize that, you know what? Things are actually going a lot better than I expected, you know? Yeah. Like they could have been far worse. So going back to the 22-year-old Cesar, I think that was meant to happen. I think that was meant to be your rude awakening to indicate the direction that you were going to go. And like you said, I think at that point, you kind of came to the realization that I want more. And I need to figure out how I want more. Because that's just it. Like, I think any successful person I have ever talked to, and you talked about self-development, mindset, reading, affirmations, that is literally what every successful person does. Which, by the way, success is has multiple definitions mm -hmm. for people. Mm -hmm. I think for right. most people in our world, success is I have a lot of money. Uh, I have a big house. Uh, all my bills are paid. You know, I, I got enough money in the bank. I drive a few fancy cars and I can travel. Like that is literally the epitome of most people's modern version of success. But success can be family. Success can be content. Success can be a lot of different things. So that's why I think, but the things you talked about that you've invested literally about a half portion of your life mm -hmm. has really helped attribute to you know, and that's what I want to talk about next is the networking and the community development and really, you know, becoming into the person that you aspire to be, but you spend half of your life figuring out. So let's talk about that. Like modern day Cesar, what are you doing right now? You know, that really correlates to who you wanted to be when you realize at 22 years old that this is not who I want to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I want to touch a couple of points on that that you mm -hmm. mentioned because they're, I think they're important to, uh, to know. I do believe that I, I came to realization that sometimes from, a, from some sort of pain, whatever that might be, a purpose is, is born, right? And sometimes we don't see it that way. So going back to your point is that I, I now realize that, that some of the things that I had to go through, even though it was painful, it created a purpose in my long-term journey and in things that I'm doing right now. The other thing too that I came to realize is before I will be really, uh, uh, I guess, uh, hard on myself because I will fail time after time. I realized though now that failure is just merely a, a, an educational experience. It's a lesson to be learned. 
everything that we go through, even as painful as it may go, might seem, it's, it's something to, to, to learn. We have to reflect on that and see what is the lesson? What is, what is it that I need to learn from here? And even right. recently, I was going through some difficult times and I had to, I, I sat back, I'm like, what is the lesson that I need to learn from this? Because there is a lesson to be learned. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting that, extracting those lessons, right? To, to be able to see that. Um, now, kind of going back to where I'm at now, right? To where I was before, um, the, the, the things that I'm doing and, and how I'm trying to really uh, put out more information out, in, in, I, I kind of live by three things. I want to empower people. I want to inspire people and I want to motivate people, right? Mm -hmm. And how I go about doing that is to a couple of different things, through podcasts like this, through my own podcast too. I have a, a total of uh, six books right now. I uh, have another book coming out in, in, in about a month or so. And, and just really getting the message, getting the lesson out because everybody's going through some sort of challenge. And I'm not saying right. that my challenge is identically as yours. However, what I am saying is that there might be a, a, a phrase, a word, something that you picked up from, from my experience that is going to uh, help you in your own journey in a, in a positive way, right? And so part, part of that I'm doing that. The other thing is I'm, I'm really big into networking. I love networking with people, with new entrepreneurs, seeing what they have. I learned something very valuable that I didn't have before. And the, uh, that, uh, the, that saying of you are the average five people you hang around with, I, I truly, truly believe that. And I want to redefine that further. I think that is is divided by three different types of categories, if, if, you, if I may. Number one is that average five, you want to have somebody that you're looking up to. It could be your mentor. It could be someone that's helping you yeah. out to become that better version of you. So some sort of mentor. Then you have another group of people that are people that probably are on the same level as you in some sort of form. Yet they're there to edify you. They're there to do joint ventures with you. They're there to help you out. They're not criticizing you. They're, your success is welcome in, in their world, right? Yeah. And then the last group of people is people that are looking up to you, right? People that want to become you, people that are in, admiring you. Now you have the opportunity to reach down and lift them up to your level, right? right. And so when you take those, those three components, I think that you uh, definitely start doing more in, 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 in your life. And going back to success, um, everybody that is trying to step into the entrepreneurial world, they're looking at success as money, 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 monetary value. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I do believe, though, for me, is 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 the success is the the, the wife, the the girlfriend, the family, the accomplishments, the being being number one seller and and, and publishing my book, right? Uh, right. The, that very first transaction when I became an entrepreneur, that to me is success. Right. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a few things and I want to talk more about the book actually I'd love for you to share more about that that's kind of led you up, led you up to that but a lot of the things that you said is just that you know accountability responsibility is a tough thing because you know I think as, as human beings we have that sense of fear that you know uh, if we don't take accountability if we don't take responsibility that you know uh, or we are afraid to I should say Rather, and we're afraid to because we're afraid of the ramifications that might result uh, from that. And, you know, that's a, a really big one because I know, you know, as an entrepreneur and, and as an employer, I've probably failed many times. I know that for a fact. But I think, you know, kind of having that transformational shift and realizing that, well, that's going to be essential. I mean, you learn every day. You're going to make mistakes. So 
don't let those things hold you back. Don't get so emotional about those things. Don't say that, well, I made a mistake. And then, you know, let that hold you back. Because the more and more you think about it, the more you rationalize, the more you extrapolate it, the more it's going to drive you crazy, you know, but taking responsible and saying, yes, you know, I'm at fault. I made a mistake. Okay. How can I learn from this? You know, what can I do different next time? You might even fail again and again and again and again and again. But I think the difference in, in you know, the people who never give up, that are resilient enough to, to get the things that they want in life is that they just keep going no matter what. Because the way I see it is as long as you have air in your lungs and you wake up every day, you have a reason to keep going. Because there's a lot of people that don't even have that luxury. Yeah. You know, so suddenly you realize, okay, well, shit maybe isn't going well in my business or, you know, oh, oops, you know, something that went sideways, you know, all right, well, am I going to dwell on this or just keep going? You know, and I've had a few of those over the last five, six months alone, to be honest with you. And I know the traditional me, the younger me, the, the early days immigrant me would be like, well, shit, I guess I better throw in the towel. Yeah. Right. And like, then I remember, then I, I kind of remember, because my father's also an entrepreneur, of, you know, 30 plus years now, and more or less ever since he came to the US when he started into his entrepreneurial journey, and again, I'm like, well, he's lost a shit ton of money, you know, mm -hmm. over mistakes, over unintentional things, you know, got pissed off at people. I know I've done those things also. So it's like, it's a matter of realizing that you have what it takes, but don't dwell on those small things, you know, because it, it's not like someone's going to come in your house and arrest you. Uh, now, mind you, is this, obviously you haven't done anything extreme. And let's face it, if that was to happen, then that means you've done something very extreme. But even then, you suffer the consequences. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people are afraid to do is suffer those consequences. So let's talk a little bit about your book and, you know, what, what led you up to, because you have one or a couple of different books. I have a total of six right now. So you have a total of six books. How about, let's talk about your first book. Yeah. And you know that's what, usually the most. Yeah. And, and you know what, there's a, there's a lesson to be learned on that. And, and I got to tell you, mm -hmm. um, think about, what we as people go through, right? We have uh, this little voice in our head, you know, trying to talk us out of doing things in our life, right? right. And that was me. That was me when I, when I was writing my first book. Um, I, I had this idea of, you know, maybe I should talk about my book. It's, it's a, a memoir uh, of my life, you know, from when I came to, you know, a couple of years back. And I said, I, I want to write this book. You know, I, I, I want to tell my story. And the first thing that came to mind is, well, Cesar, you don't know how to uh, write. You're not an, a writer, uh, let alone you don't even know, like to, you don't like to read. The last time you read something was when you were in high school, and that was because your your high school English teacher told you to to read a book. So, who are you kidding? You are not a writer. And so I literally talked myself out of writing the book because I'm like, no one's gonna buy this book. No one's gonna read it. No one's gonna get it. And so yeah. why even bother? Right? You hear that a lot. Why even bother doing something in your life? And I think about a month later, I, I, I kind of went and entertained the idea again. And I, at this time, I changed the frame. I changed yeah. how I was looking at it, right? And that's kind of like anything that we do. Your mind can play some very, very major tricks. You know, your mind can either, you, you, you're either going to make it or you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna break in. And 
I changed the frame. I said, you know what? Yeah. So what if nobody buys my book? So what if nobody reads it? I want to do it because I want to feel a self-accomplishment. I want to be successful that I did a book, that I actually published a book. And I can leave something behind for my daughter. That's, yeah. that's, that's how I did it. And I said, you know, when I changed that frame, man, I started writing the book. And within two and a half months, I finished my book, got it to my publisher. They loved it. And before I knew it, it was published. And I got to tell you, I'm glad I went through that. And I'm glad I went through that, that, that experience because like similar to many different things in life, we tend to talk ourselves out of doing something and you just got to do it. You just got to go out and do it. You got to keep moving forward regardless yeah. of the odds. And I've gotten so much great feedback that people that really love my book and people that I, I don't even know. I, I was getting these messages uh, on Amazon and even on my uh, Facebook messenger, like, Hey, I read your story. And I really got very inspired by it. You've changed yeah. my life. Now I want to do something with my life. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. You know, and that's exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, that's really powerful too, that you mentioned that <clears throat> it's amazing. And this is probably one of the reasons why I kind of transformed my podcast more into storytelling years ago is because um, I came to a realization that, you know, uh, everyone has a story and that story can, can impact someone's life or many people's lives. Yeah. Uh, but at the very epicenter, if it impacts one person's life, mm -hmm. then that's, I think, a mission accomplished in my eyes. It's because you've been able to give someone perspective that can, that can better their life, you know, um, that can influence them to make better choices, to become a better human being, you know, and, and learn from the mistakes of, of someone else. Because I think maybe as I'm getting older, you know, I'm starting to realize too that, you know, there's so much perspective out there and so much we can learn. In fact, um, a few months ago, uh, I got to really thinking about this is that um, I don't know if it was something that I read or someone I talked to, I don't exactly remember, but we're talking about a lifelong learner. And that really stuck with me mm. uh, that, you know, being a lifelong learner and embracing that mentality is extremely important because it's a sense of gratitude and humbleness also because it makes you realize that you know what i don't know it all mm -hmm. and i never will uh, i'll know enough to do the things i want to but i'll never be sort of this perfect human being that's a know-it-all because a lot of that does happen especially with males and entrepreneurship we get to be very egocentric because we want to dominate you know it's kind of like the alpha in an essence and so what I've realized is that being a lifelong learner is extremely important. That's why you're here on the podcast is because, you know, six books, you've gone through a lot of different experiences and that's creating influence for people like me and many others that are going to watch or listen to this episode or people on social media, even that suddenly, you know, realize that, you know what, I have something to learn from Cesar, mm -hmm. you know, because it's a unique experience that they didn't go through, you know? Yeah. And I think that's really important. So, but what's really interesting you said is you said your daughter also. So you've got that compassion and that empathy and the responsibility of being a father and making sure that, you know, uh, you set a good example. Right. You know, and because we do need positive role models, you know, uh, whether it's in family or friends or acquaintances, it's important to have positive role models. I mean, 
uh, let's face it, right now with this uh, election that's going on and probably by the time this episode is over, we'll know who the next president is. And the reality of things is too many people are so worried about, you know, new president and is it going to solve my problems and am I going to live a better life? And the reality of things is it starts with you. Right. You know, I mean, I know I've seen three different presidents come and go and I'm still here. You know, so, and I think that's where so many people get hung up on those materialistic things. Don't get me wrong. A leader is a leader. It's important. But you need to learn how to become the president of your own domain is Mm -hmm. what you need to learn. And what does that mean? What's important to you? You know, where are your shortcomings? You know, how do you need to improve? And why do you need to improve? You know, why aren't you getting the results you were hoping for? You know, and I think a lot of people are just afraid, you know, it's, I think it's like you said, afraid of surrender, afraid of accountability, afraid of failure, you know, afraid of making a mistake. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, I feel like, you know, as, as getting older, as I started to really kind of um, rationalize a lot of these things we're talking about is making me realize how much unnecessary stress and anxiety is just being like offloaded suddenly because let's face it most people on a daily basis they worry about money they worry about their life they worry about living better and when you think about it it's like how is that any of that correlated to becoming a better person right uh, like and and here's an example is even to this day i have no explanation so i'm a cyclist i've been cycling for seven years now and I remember when I bought this $300 road bike seven years ago, this was in 2013, it was an overstock. And like to this day, I have no explanation what enticed me to do it. But now seven years later, I know that the reason I cycle is for mind therapy, for mm-hmm. exhilaration. I cycle because when I'm on that bike and I'm pedaling, it's like, it's like I'm free and I have the best focus, the best clarity. Um, it's, it's sort of, a, a anti-stress, mm-hmm. you know, and then I realized that, you know, a lot of successful people, the reason they're into health and fitness and nutrition, personal development, all of that is, and suddenly I realized that, okay, there's a constant here. When I look at, okay, I want, I want this and this, here's my goals and dreams. And, you know, I want the dream house and I want this and this and this, like, okay, to get to that, I need to do all these things, personal mm-hmm. development fitness, nutrition, you know, schedule, you know, be, be more cordial with everything I do, be accountable, you know, like all these things. And that takes a lot of work. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are afraid also to put in the work because there's another example I've done. I don't know how many diets and a lot of them I failed. There's only been two. And this is the second one that I'm on. That's like semi-normal, but it still requires a high sense of discipline and control. Like I have to eat three every three hours. I have to prep two to three uh, times per week, food prep, you know, and I'm not eating fast food. You know, yeah, I'll fail and have some candy here and there or eat some popcorn or, you know, drink a few glasses of wine, but staying focused on it. You know what I mean? Nonetheless, regardless of the failures, but it's made me realize, and I was talking to um, the guy that I'm actually working with, uh, who's actually an IFBB pro, um, and he's like, Man, the reason why so many people fail at this because you know it's it's an uh, insane amount of self-discipline, like insane. Yeah. And when I look at 
you know, I've had the chance to interview a lot of millionaires also on the mm-hmm. podcast, like people that have it all, like zero debt, big house, uh, fat uh, checking account, expensive cars, traveling. They're probably bored off their minds because they're making so much money, mm-hmm. you know? And I realized that at the core is self-discipline. Yeah, and it comes down to being committed, right? I, I always go back to that. I mean, you know, you have to be committed to the process. You have to just be yeah. committed. One and 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 is you see this a lot in relationships too, right? It's is very similar to that, right? You know, you, sometimes you're not one hundred percent committed to a relationship. Um, right. There's another analogy that that I think I got from. Um, Errol Nightingale, and, or, or I don't even know anymore. I might be misquoting them, but it comes right. down to this. You know, um, if you want to grow roses, you know, you have to water them every day so that you can have nice, beautiful roses, right? You have to water mm-hmm. them every single day. You have to care for them. You have to trim them. You have to take care of them. It's a lot of work. If you don't do anything in that soil, it's going to grow weeds and 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 that it, you don't it doesn't need any effort doesn't need any water it doesn't need any sun for it to grow oh. it's just gonna happen automatically so it's very similar to what we're doing that that discipline that commitment it takes a lot of work and i i think that's where people tend to fall back because of the amount of work they, they think it's too much effort again though yeah, being lazy, not doing this, not doing that. There's no effort yet. What are the consequences, right? And so you have yeah. to decide again, it goes back to the decision. So the quality of life that you want, you have to decide where do you want to be, right? What, what is your ultimate goal? What do you want to leave behind right. when you end up leaving this place? Right. And so for me, uh, you kind of said it for me is I want to become the, the best version of myself every single day. I don't have to improve by a hundred percent, just 1%. By the end of the year, I'm going to be 365% better than I was 365 days, right? And so just 1%, yeah. you know, just get, do something to you that's going to empower you in, in a positive way, right? Just that 1%. No, that's, that's a really, really good example um, that you mentioned is just chipping away at becoming a better person. And, you know, um, that's probably an entire episode in itself that I <laughs> yeah. could talk about because, um, I know personally, there's been so many frustrations, you know, in personal life and also in business. Um, Also is because I think allowing the external to dictate what you should do, the courses of your your actions. And then anytime you do something different than what the outside world expects from you or dictates uh, upon you, or you just make a mistake, then you're suddenly labeled an anomaly an outcast Mm -hmm. you know you're a bad person and you know i I remember when i when i first started my marketing career back in 2006 professionally and i worked for a few entrepreneurs this was before i even decided to start my own business Mm -hmm. you know now 14 years ago and um i remember all the frustrations i used to have of like you know past employers like why did they do certain things and they would screw up sometimes i would get paid late you know hmm. and stuff like that and it just be like made you wonder like you know why wasn't it perfect like why wasn't i getting paid every two weeks or you know why did i have like these um you know like anomaly of outbursts and conversations and arguments even at, at times and like it just be questionable because i think i had the expectations of 
imperfections, I should say, right? Because mm -hmm. I wanted everything to go perfect. But then I realized that, you know what? They were no different than me. You know, they were just a human being who makes a mistake. And I think it comes down to your level of tolerance. Mm -hmm. How much are you willing to tolerate the, the abnormal? Because now as an entrepreneur, I know, oh man, the more I fail, the more it means that I'm learning. Mm -hmm. Literally failing the sense that if I do something intentional or unintentional and then he has bad consequences, then I just need to learn from it. You know, how do I do it different next time to where, you know, uh, I don't make the same mistake, you know, right. if it's intentional, if I made that mistake intentional and if I make that mistake again, all right, try again, try again and just keep going and keep going. And 14 years ago, I didn't understand that, hmm. you know, it just like, and now it's fascinating to realize that, oh my God, the level of resilience in entrepreneurs and, and real dreamers and go-getters is just immense. Immense. Yeah. You know? It's, it's not for everybody and, and definitely it's not an easy ride. I mean, that's the one yeah. thing too that I think people tend to, to misinterpret, right? They believe that yeah. being an entrepreneur is all beautiful and rainbow and these different colors. Right. Man, I got to tell you, you go through a lot of ups and downs, you know, and a lot of... Um, you, you're constantly fighting. The, the biggest fight that you're going to have is not the economy, is not who's going to be president, it's not anybody, but the fight with yourself. That is the yeah. biggest fight you're going to have, right? Yeah. And, and, and the person you have to talk to is that person you see in the morning in that mirror is yourself. And so it's, it's not an easy thing. We, we all, again, we get so much influence by the outer world that we forget about our inner world. And so that is going to be uh, someone that you really have to cater to. You have to take care of. I always say, you know, make sure that whatever you're doing is you're working harder on yourself than you're doing anybody else, because you have to take care of that vehicle that is carrying you through this journey, that vehicle being your body and this journey being life, right? Take care of that vehicle so that you can have a long lasting journey, which is your life. Yeah, I mean, one one story um, as we're coming up on the top of the hour that I wanted to share that the team recently mm -hmm. really has, and now I'm seeing some repercussions of this, but it has really, really made me think as an ex-employee. You know, there's someone that I invested close to $10,000 in mm -hmm. over the last five to six months. It was my first full-time employee. And let's just say that things didn't go as planned. And I realized that a vast majority of it was because of cash flow problems. You know, like when you're building a business, let's face it, building capital is a bitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's really, really hard. And I've known people who have run multi-million dollar businesses and the reason they failed is because no capital. You know, they couldn't put any money in the bank. You know, mm -hmm. that they would get paid and then just pay people in time or as close to in time. And so uh just seeing the ramifications of that and it makes me realize that okay, I supported someone for five or six months and they turn around and you know the minute you try to put them on the spot it's like they literally will try to tear you down for every bit of it and tell you how imperfect you are, how screwed up you are, and how unaccountable you are. And it's like, supported you for five and six months. <laughs> you know, I, I've got over $10,000, you know, that was spent on you. Like, you know, whether you got paid every two weeks or a little bit later because of cash flow problems, you still got paid, mm -hmm. you know, and now you're going to go to great extremes and try to obliterate me and put me into an oblivion. Like, it's just fascinating, man. But um, what I realized in that is like, you endure those things as an entrepreneur. You just do, because that's, that's your only option because you can let that phase you and say, oh, I'm an imperfect human being. I suck. 
I'm not a good entrepreneur, blah, blah. What is that going to accomplish? You're just giving into, you you know, the outrage of someone else based on frustration on the fact that they woke up on the wrong side of the bed today, you know, and the reality of things is you just need to let the resilience keep drive you because you're going to have a lot of those encounters. In fact, uh, I look at some former bosses of mine now that run multi-million dollar agencies and it's like, they got, I think one of my ex-bosses, his former CEO embezzled like $200,000 from him. Wow. And like, I was the only person that literally was willing to listen to him. I took yeah. the guy out to Subway for lunch and he's like, you're the only guy that knows about this right now because I yeah. was the only guy that he could lean on yeah. that was willing to listen. But then suddenly I realized, okay, maybe I don't have as big a problems, you know? Yeah. And that's just it. I feel like it comes with the territory as you grow, as you expand, as you um perfect yourself you know as you come closer to the person you want to be you're gonna face bigger problems and in fact that's actually i think something that you need to account for to know that you're gonna you know encounter bigger challenges and being able to tackle them head on because that is what determines winners versus losers because winners are like so what i'm gonna keep going you know uh, someone on Instagram that I follow that does very well. I mean, this is a guy that has got it all, you know, mm-hmm. but he was saying, he said, man, uh, 10 years ago, I had my, my Rolls Royce, my Lambo and a couple other cars all repossessed. Cool. And he said, I didn't let that phase me. I realized mm-hmm. that this was a rude awakening and that I was slipping. You know, and most people are like, I mean, you're talking, you know, combine all those cars, it's over a million dollars in just exotic vehicles, right? And yeah. most people would say, shit, like, how yeah. can I cover my losses, right? Like, how can I offset? Not him. And that's the epitome, I think, of entrepreneurs and dreamers and goal-getters that we just keep going. Unless it's life or death, we keep going. And yeah. so I know this combo could go endlessly, man. I mean, you should. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast. So, but we, before we wrap things up, um, let's tell the viewers, listeners, where can they find you? How can they connect you? Where can yeah. they buy your books? Yeah, you you can uh, find me at my webpage www.cesarrespino.com. So there's an R in between my first name, last name, um, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, uh, LinkedIn, I forgot about that one, and mm-hmm. TikTok. I'm literally all over the place. And then to find my book, just uh, go to Amazon and just Google my name, and you're gonna uh, come up with all the books that I have. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much, Cesar. I truly enjoyed the conversation, thank and you. Thank, um, you, thank you so much for all the value that you shared. Thank you. Appreciate you.